You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 162nd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida, where, guys, I put in a car seat today. Wow. Uh, it's Matt in Minneapolis where I fixed and tightened up a car seat so it didn't sway around every time I went around <laughs> a corner at 20 miles an hour in my, nah, I'd say those shocks are kind of shot, uh, Subaru Loyal. In Minneapolis. I'm in Minneapolis. You know where I am, people. <laughs> and this, said Subaru, so yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um this is Spencer in Boston, where I didn't do anything with a car at all, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Mm, anything with a car seat? Not, no. no car, no car seat? Weird. Nope, nope. That's a weird day, right, Tim? I mean, every day. I'm, yeah. I, I'm living the life right now. It's a, uh, it, it, was a great, it was a great experience putting that car seat in today. Little guy, you, you, you gave me some great directions when we talked earlier today, mm-hmm. and uh, I, just, I just went out and did it. Mm. We are on baby watch, so at any moment, I may have to leave. Um, for Tom Boonin, Tom Boonin, Tom Boonin, Tom Boonin, Tom Boonin yeah. the third. So we're gonna have to so come up to with a name. Yeah, you know that. Well, th- yes. Th- but Tim, and I hope you've come up with a name. We've come up with names, but here's the thing: is that in my like, I don't want to name the kid after a, a cyclist because I have a really bad track record yeah. of what some would call super rookies curse. And uh-huh. it stems, of course, with DeLuca naming the cat, going all in on Ricardo Rico. And it was even seen today on the Twitter sphere um, at our Twitter account, at the Slow Ride Pod. And Spencer called me out on it before it even happened. Yeah. What was yours today? What, what was today? I missed it. I was too busy messing with the car seat, I guess. I mean, Spencer, do you want to just dig right in about the, uh, the, the example of the super rookie curse today? Uh, well, I mean, it's, there's so many examples, it's, it's hard to nail down just one, but pretty much any statement you make ends up being pretty much completely false. So in, as in, ex- in the worst way possible, <laughs> as in starting to talk trash about Vela games and saying, oh, little guy's team, pretty much off the back, terrible team. <laughs> and, and today uh, his shot through. in the dark. Of jumping on that Vodder's bandwagon, Rigoberto Uran winning probably the most epic tour stage we have seen in a while. Yeah. Um, so much to discuss. We're going to get to Twitter speed. questions that handle a lot of this, but let's get into this actual win. Rigoberto Uran, little guy, you just you you threw it out there. Yep. The single speed, the Mavic neutral support actually getting some work. I, I have to admit, in the past, I've always wondered if the Mavic neutral support guys... Mm-hmm. Like the mechanics in those cars actually were good mechanics because I've never seen them do anything except give Chris Froome the wrong size bike when yeah. he's running up the side mm-hmm. of the mountain last year. And then that guy reached out, risked life and limb to go over the wheel to pull the bent derailleur to get that uh, chain all the way down into the 11. That was impressive work to get uh, <laughs> Uran set up for the sprint today. 
That was impressive. Um, yeah, they do work, man. They do good work. They do great work. And they got the dropper post this year, so no bike-sizing problems anymore. Or less bike-sizing problems, right? That is right. Non-sequitur into dropper posts. Were you guys surprised it took this long, 2017, to get dropper posts on the neutral support bikes? It seems like a common sense thing that even they would have had during Le Mans days. It does... Uh, did they well, they were a little different during Le Mans days but but I think it I think the mountain bike world and the road world sometimes exist in alternate dimensions. I mean we've talked about this local Minnesota level where there'll be one road race in a month and they'll schedule it on the same day as the one mountain bike race and you're just like smacking your head like why 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 do we exist in different worlds? We're all the same. We love the same thing sort of. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. What no, no, we, no, no, we no, just say you. bra less, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, we say on your left instead of bra. We like we like little little caps with the bills you flip up instead of the flat brim like baseball-y hats with yeah, lots of, we, lots of logos. We put our tools on uh, in little pockets on our back rather than big pockets on our legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the tour. <laughs> so today's stage, a lot to discuss. Richie Port. Uh, Completely takes out Dan Martin. Dan Martin oh. has a remarkable recovery, gets back up, top 10 finish on the stage. Richie Port sadly out yeah. with four fractures. What a horrible crash to witness. And probably the worst part on Twitter, too, was the constant replay by the French television experts mm. that kept showing the crash. And I don't understand why they do this. It's like a snuff film nonstop. And knowing the the track record of deaths that happened on tv like it has happened recently too why do yeah. you continue to show these horrible type crashes like this they did it in the olympics and the women's road race as well yeah very tough there's kind of no way around it i mean i can, I can see wanting to see it one or two times because you kind of want to know what happened yeah what you know what was the problem because when you when just when you just cut, suddenly see a cut to two people on the ground you're like well did dan martin take out port did port take out dan martin did you know did fuslang mess up in front of him I, but but I don't know. Yeah, I agree, Tim. It is a little. Uh, it is a little much. But I mean, but, as a devil advocate from the TV producers side of things, like nothing happens for four friggin' hours, <laughs> and then yeah, somebody at, falls down, and it's like your only action sequence for the well, day. Well, but that was during when 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 he was on the ground. It was pure action. Well, it I been mean, in general, so, but you, in general, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's true. It's true. It's true. And but it it was a. I mean, it, a lot of these crashes are scary crashes to watch. Yeah. You, you, you oh, watch yeah. it, and and then, yeah, I agree with Tim when you're when you don't know. It's one thing if they crash and then everybody stands up, yeah, and it's something to watch it. But when he's still on the ground, you've got medics around him. You don't know what's going to happen. And, it's a disgusting and thing to show hard. as many times as they did. Um, I and I, I, you know, I'm. You guys know I'm not a huge Port fan, but I, I feel bad, and that's certainly not mm-hmm. the way I, I want any rider to go out. Though I have to say, I, I like he crashed, and I was just like, I'm not surprised that this stage, right? This is the same stage at the Dauphine where he got mugged by every single team, and uh, Fuslang won mm-hmm. and took the race. And so this was like exactly the same stage, basically. Like the finish was the same, and it 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 happened to him again. Like this stage is his curse. He was going to win the Dauphine. This stage cursed him, and then he was gonna be up there at the tour, and same same stage basically. And he's just it's not let's, his not his thing, man. Let's rewind a little bit on Richie Port um, before the crash, tragic crash. We are very bummed to see him out, but guys, 
Was he doing anything to really excite you during that time? It wasn't for me. It seemed like he was sleeping too much at the wheel here. We had so much other exciting drama, Aru yeah. trying to attack. And then he did um, attack. Well, here's when, the thing. When Froom had his hand up, I, I I'm like, generally I'm the bad don't guy ag- here. I'm the oh, bad no, guy I go here. for it. I mean, I go for it. I, I, could, I could take I'll take this one for the team, little guy. I think it's ridiculous that Chris Froome had his hand up, <laughs> wink, and then Aru looked straight in his eyes and saw that hand up, and then he attacked him. What a horrible way to just re- respect the jersey. Oh, my oh. God. No one should be allowed to do that. Aru should be thrown out of the tour. He shouldn't be thrown out of the tour, but it did seem kind of blatant, and I generally don't agree with the, like, all these these weird uh formalities but when the guy's putting his hand up it seems like kind of a dick time to attack do you think he was attacking before the hand went up i've watched it a few times i there's a chance but it's 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 less of a chance than any of the other controversies being real that we had in the last week i actually Um, think if you watch the video it's hard to discern if he's next to Froome or if he's actually a little bit ahead of Froome. He may not have seen that hand. Yeah, I agree. He's, he could he have says been doing he didn't. It. And what's weirder to me is that Froome says he didn't even see Aru attack. Oh, well, in that case, then maybe maybe he didn't, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe nobody saw it was a legit attack. It just, I'm it no just, longer going to be... The, <laughs> the fact that Froome himself says, well, I think it's shady, but I didn't actually in the moment see him attacking. I was dealing with, you know, yelling for the team car and stuff. It it just kind of illustrates how much chaos there kind of can be like going on. So it's hard to blame yeah. Aru, like just call him out and be like, well, you did this thing totally wrong. Like you 100% knew what was going on. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he did. <laughs> but, you know, benefit yeah. of the doubt here. But I'm just I, happy that we yeah. don't have to talk about this as much as we do the so- like the Sagan Cavendish yeah. one, like because something else dramatic happened that this kind of fell to the wayside when Port crashed. Yeah, but yeah. you know, and I'm not going to be the devil's advocate here. I thought it was great because I love drama, and to me, it was fantastic to see Aru go. Oh, I'm not even the biggest Astana fan, but I'm sitting here going like, go Astana because <laughs> I just don't want Froombot to win, and now he's attacking, and it seemed to me that Port. After Froome came back, should have attacked immediately after, and that's where I have a little uh, bit of struggle. They're buddies, in... though. Come on. Well, um, there's a problem. Well, so you guys, I, I can, I can, I can agree with that. But you know, uh, supposedly Considor and Schleck were always buddies, but they would freaking attack each other. Well, he had and put the knife blade in. Yeah. So speaking of Schleck, lots of full Schlecks today out there it's on the hot. tour. Lots of unzipped jerseys. Now, how about Froome taking a Rue into the fans? This is the stuff I I love. Now, <laughs> I mean, yeah, my the, my, the, my previous <laughs> statement where Froome said uh, he he didn't see Aru attacking, he followed that up with like, oh yeah, and that time when I put him into the barriers was also no no big deal. Like that was nothing. Like I, I just I like, lost control of my bike. Yeah, something. I was a wobble, and I was like, okay, I think maybe both <laughs> of those statements are downplaying yeah. what happened a little bit uh, because I think he definitely did that. With a purposeful mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, the I precedent, agree. The precedent was set, sending home the most popular man in worldwide cycling. Mm-hmm. And for him not even to get a talking to about this, or at a minimum, a 200 Swiss franc fine, yeah. to me it seems a little strange that he can get away with this because it's pretty blatant that he's putting a roux into those fans. Even if it's a wobble, it seems a little like... Well, he he certainly if, didn't hold his line. Well, I think, no. I think you guys are right. There's a double... Especially for sprints among climbers and GC-ish guys, 
Yeah. I feel like they 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 sort of follow a different rule book sometimes um than they do with with the sprinters which I don't understand cuz we we can go back like obviously sprints uh they're throwing around some strange rules but I still this week I kept thinking back to that time that um uh I can't remember his name now came over Quintana last year Russian dude what's his name on on Katusha Zachary? I can't remember his name yeah, when at, at I forget what early season race last year, he sprinted Quintana for the mountaintop mm-hmm. finish. It was the cleanest sprint I've ever seen. He just came in front of Quintana, which you have to do to win a sprint. Yeah, and they they he he got like relegated, and it just seemed like the craziest thing. And then you watch any of these sprints that have happened in the last week, and you're like, well, by the logic of that crazy decision, everyone's DQ'd. Everyone's DQ'd. <laughs> Well, this goes into what you wanted. To, we were in the podcast green room, Spencer, and you were talking about like how sprints and the rules in this quasi, you know, world that we now live in. I mean, let's just assume Froome's going to get kicked out of the tour from swerving while climbing up the mountain. But the sprints and the erratic, like erratic behavior of a sprint, we've talked about closing the door. I mean, the one of our more popular tweets of the week was uh, we we got this uh, hit up to us on Twitter. Joss Van Emden, one of my. Uh, selected riders on Velo Games says, I don't understand Sagan being thrown out. Demare also swerved and unlike Sagan, he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the greatest quote ever from a bike racer who has to show up into the Peloton and, and be be around guys he's calling out. <laughs> Let's just fast forward that Demare or sorry, Van Emden today mm-hmm. got a time cut with Demare, and they were within like three minutes of each other the entire stage when they were way off the back. We'll get yeah. to that later. But yeah, they were in vicinity of each other. But part of me, do you think he really said this? Or is this like a famous quote that someone just attaches to like Abraham Lincoln? Like they were just like, oh, let's pick a random guy. <laughs> you know, like Josh Van Emden. <laughs> uh, man, I hope he said it. So you know? that sprint, Spencer, I mean mm-hmm. – Obviously, the world is talking about Sagan and the elbow and all of that, but yeah. that is not a straight line. And the, I mean, come on, like all these well, guys. I don't think not. I don't think any of the sprints lately in the past several years have been really straight lines, you know. And it's just like whether or not somebody crashes is kind of the impetus for does somebody get relegated, yeah. unless it's super ridiculously blatant. Um, you know, like headbutts or something like that. We've seen some some DQs and some disqualifications for that. But we've um, seen like more relegations for things like. I mean, obviously, we all agree, and everyone th- that has eyeballs agrees that Sagan was shouldn't have been DQ'd, yep. and that it was total cra- craziness. It yeah, was... I, I I mean, I think I think we've all discussed it, and I think all of us are in agreement that that he should not have been DQ'd at all. That he probably shouldn't have been relegated, but if they did, eh, that's fine. You know, like yeah. Well, I, I mean, guess if he would have been happen. relegated, he would have lost some points, and you know, Blaine Matthews would have been pretty close to taking over that green jersey after his hunt today. Well, sure, but I mean, <laughs> well, I think he's gonna win. I think what it comes down to is that sprints these days, like over the last, and I mean, like five, six years. They're just different than they used to be. There's so many more dudes up there sprinting. Like you have. It's a probably, lack of control. Probably 10 guys up there that could, you know, win the race. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, and, and you have four lead-out trains going into these last several corners and, like, jostling for the finish. Like, there is no one dominant team anymore. There's no Fossa Bordalo for Pataki. You know what uh, I mean? 
there's no there's no train for uh, Cipollini, the Sake, the the Seiko train. Yeah, for exactly. The Lion King. And, and I mean, the sprints weren't totally clean then either, in no. more ways than one. But um, you know, like there was more. It was a little more. Like you came off the back wheel of the last guy, and the three fast sprinters sprinted it out, and now you've got ten or twelve. I, it's way more exciting this way. But your case in point, that FDJ lead-out train of, like, three guys that couldn't get it right. Like, DeMar was always struggling. Um, th- or DeMar, sorry. There's there's so much there. And then also um, when uh, Dimension Data, uh, Sagan's uh, – or sorry, Cavendish is out. So Boston Hagen, before the photo finish that he lost, he had, what, sprinted from 400 meters away and wasn't yeah. even close to, to getting the victory. I mean, that was pretty hilarious. So yeah, the lack of control on all these sprints um, makes it for a little bit better TV to watch. I think on these flat stages. Oh, dev- I mean, I'm actually enjoying the sprints while they're happening, as opposed to a few years ago where it was the most boring thing in the world. But I, yeah, they do need to sort of reevaluate how they're gonna how they're gonna judge these because because the the it you know what it feels like to me is like in baseball how you can't you throw near a guy one like two times in an at bat and they and they like throw the pitcher out you know which i don't think you should be beaming people but man you got to protect that plate you know it they're they're you know who's good at protecting the plate ken herbeck yeah and protecting first base and protecting mostly protecting (laughs) first base take that atlanta no but look at you're right in that there's they, I feel they had to do something, but I felt that they overreached on kicking Sagan out, as you guys know. But where is the lack of um, controls on the other sprinters that are clearly coming off the line and, and putting everyone in? And this isn't – let's not discredit Cavendish, who I think had the old man strength, that old man passion at this point where we're all cheering for him as we get older too. And everyone's like, oh, he's old. And you're like, oh, he's really only, what, like 34? I mean, you know, he's still like – Kind of that guy that that, that you want to win, and then he's going for a gap that was not there. But, I mean, very frustrating. What a horrible tour for the Sagan family. It is horrible. (laughs) I think, though, the thing is, like, how many many times through the years, if you went back to every tour, has Sagan tried – or not Sagan, Cavendish tried to shoot a gap that did not exist and either caused a big crash? You know, like – Yeah, at least half a dozen times. Which I know is part of being a sprinter, but some sprinters aren't do that. Sagan isn't a guy that usually, like, I don't know. It just feels like there's no freaking gap there. I don't know. Yeah, and you could say Sagan was moving right or whatever, but, like, at the same time, Cavendish was aware of that. You know what I mean? Like, there's oh, no, yeah, he totally there's no world in which he was sprinting up the fence being like, uh, Sagan will stop moving, right? You know, he just yeah. decided to try to bulldoze through, and it didn't work out. You know, you know that's you know that's going to happen. You know that's what's the chance you're taking when you do that. And yeah. it's not like he yelled on your right to Peter, <laughs> yeah. and then well, he stuck it, out his his elbow. No, watch the replay. His mouth is not moving. He never says on your right. Yeah. Didn't well, no, I'm just. Someone tweeted us uh, yesterday of like. What would have happened? Do you think Sagan would have moved over if Cavendish yelled "Sport race leader" coming through? Right? I think like he a mountain bike race, it would, it would have been great. Yeah, but um, yeah, the whole the whole situation. I think to wrap it all up, to put a bow on this whole thing, is just to clearly just say that I was surprised at how well they both handled the situation. Yeah, like, it seems like totally. they're probably dealing with it behind closed doors on how they feel about what one another, but their public persona. 
was very well done. Um, and well, you would expect some other sprinters to kind of, uh, you know, be a little bit loose in the, uh, uh, here, the, voice, the voice box a little bit. Sagan, in my opinion, is always cool as a cucumber and very, like, tranquilo. And so his response is kind of, you know, understated. And you're like, okay, yeah, he feels bad for the guy. He didn't mean to crash him, whatever. And uh, But Cavendish is, is telling because you can spin it one of two ways. He's always kind of been known as a hot-headed guy, so you spin it either as, oh, he's maturing, look at how, how grown up he is, or, man, he knows he fucked up, and he can't, <laughs> he can't really, uh, you know, spout off too much because, yeah. uh, you know, he feels pretty guilty. I think it's a little of column A, a little column B. At least if the, the interview I saw where he sort of was like, yeah, I'm kind of paying for my uh, youthful mouth. And now, yeah. now, now, whenever I, you know, now everyone's throwing that back at me and in, in, in my previous actions, I can see that. But mm-hmm. So um, let's get to some of the Twitter questions. We could be kind of rapid fire on some of these. We have addressed a little bit, but Calamity Jan uh, hit us up and says, hey, um, can you guys talk about the dumbass unwritten rules of not attacking guys with mechanicals because it hurts their fifis? I know we touched on it a little bit, but at what point is a mechanical the fault of the mechanic and the fault of the um, the rider? I think it's yeah. uh, my my personal opinion is, you know, just go for it, right? Like, I mean, karma is going to come back and bite you, but these unwritten rules to me, I think they need to go out the window because mm-hmm. someone messed up that bolt. Someone messed up the cage on your derailleur or whatever. Someone didn't charge your battery on the DI2. Yeah. That is a team. It's yeah. a team sport, and that also goes behind the scenes with the mechanics. That's me. Uh, okay. I agree. I agree. I, mean, I think I said this before. Like, if if bike bike companies and component manufacturers are going to sponsor teams, part of it should be that your shit doesn't break. <laughs> yeah, you know how many bike yeah. changes does there need to be? Right. I mean, no, and and that's part of like besides obviously the these guys have. Yeah, for motors, obviously you got to change when for the downhill bike because you got the better, bigger motor in there, and you got the secret disc brakes hidden inside the hub, so you stop faster. Right. But yeah, I mean, part of like, yeah, look, BMC didn't have a bike that broke, right? That's something. That's something to make note of, as opposed to like, oh my, my BMC broke, and you guys didn't wait for me. No one's gonna wait for you on the group ride when your stupid BMC breaks, man. They're gonna laugh at you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think the two points that I would say about that are, A, if if a rule is unwritten, it's not a rule. Yeah. And and two, like, part of bike racing, man, is showing up ready. You know, like, your, yeah. bike, your bike needs, like, you spend months and months and months preparing your legs, you know, and everything to be ready to go and your race tactics to be ready to go. Your bike needs to be ready to go, too, man, and that's part it's- of the equation. Yeah, this well, is- I I think you're right in terms of, like, equipment choice because we don't know – like, so say a guy punctures, you know, three times on a stage and everyone's like, oh, he was super unlucky. But you don't know if that was because he rolled with his normal tires or he was like, oh, man, I'm going to go with the fastest little silk numbers today. Yeah. You know, go with, like, those crazy Vittoria track tires that we bought 10 yeah. years ago that when we rode them on the infield, we were scared. But when you got on the track, it was, like, floating on melted butter. It was. They were amazing – but they were not for training use. They you mean were... you mean melted margarine, little guy? No, melted butter, man. It's That's fatty. Not vegan. It's not. So, no, these tires were not vegan. They weren't. They were silk. So, <laughs> they were not I, so. <laughs> we're in agreement here. I think at some point you just. I mean, it makes cycling look like a joke, in my opinion. When we're arguing over, oh, he attacked because the race leader had to pull off to the side of the road to take a dump. 
yeah. um, at the Giro. Yeah. Oh, Chris Froome for the second day in a row had another mechanical with one of his bikes. I mean, come on, like at some point yeah. you're you're the yeah. you're the best racer in the world that has won the tour what three times has he won now? And yeah. now we're sitting here. That team has had yeah. the yellow jersey every single day of the tour, and you're still having mechanicals, and you expect everyone to wait on you for hand and foot. Yeah. Aru, go attack like the badass you are and make <laughs> us all fans of Italian cycling again. Um, Whitney Reader hits us up on Twitter and says, well, we obviously need a full Juraj report. Juraj Sagan, uh, D- uh, OTL, outside the time limit. I was watching. The uh, yeah. tour tracker is great. Uh, uh, man, very sad day um, for Slovakia. I think, I mean, uh, what what reason does he have to be there anymore? What reason did he have to push forward? I think he wanted to, you know, head to Monaco, hang out with Peter. I can <laughs> hardly blame him. Well, yeah, his team, I mean, they've had some trouble. Micah went down today out of the GC. He slipped yep. from what? He was top 10. Now he's, like I don't know, he lost, he lost he's behind 35. Talansky. Yeah, he lost like 36 minutes. He's behind Talansky. Thanks for reminding me, Tim. I was going to make fun of you and Talansky later, but let's do it. We could do it now. But um, I know we could we could yeah. do that later. He's like the yeah. Mendoza line. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's uh, there's less and less. Bora's having a a hard time. I don't know if they're having race. a bad tour. They did get a stage win, and Micah still may go out on the the. He crashed today. Um, yeah. So he may go out on the uh, the attack later on. I mean, remember there still are two That's weeks true. left of the race. Um, Jason Wilbur hits us up. Four FDJ riders missed the time cut. How much heat is the team going to take when there are pro Conti squads like Kofidis that still have all their riders? Jason, this is a fantastic question. I was going to bring this up um, before your question. In that four riders today, and all of them went back to ride with Demare to get him through the time cut, how crappy would it be if you are Jacobo Guarneri? Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Ignatis Konovalovas. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. I think it. I actually actually probably got that one pretty good. And then Mikhail Delage. Delage? Um, of FDJ. Well, you second-guessed yourself. You had it, yeah, and then you let it, it go. Just... <laughs> okay. Well, those three riders went back to help him, and I got to imagine a couple of those guys could have at least stayed in the Gruppetto. Yeah. It kind of sucks when you get called back by um, yeah. the crazy team director that FDJ has. Uh, and being brilliant. like, you're going to get. I think the word is brilliant. <laughs> Mark Madiat and say, hey, you're going to bring uh, Demare all the way to the finish. And then these guys who've trained their entire life, right? Mm-hmm. This could be a situation. This is the only tour they get to go to. And be like, oh, how was the tour? What's it like riding in Paris? Oh, it was really cool because on stage nine, I had to wait for 45 minutes for our sprinter to, so he could miss the time cut by eight minutes. Mm-hmm. So no, you're I agree. saying that sucks. they should have sent back a fourth guy and had five of them back and they might have made it. I think if I was one of those three guys, no. I would be, I would be livid. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. I mean, but that's your job, man. I but mean, what a crappy job. I mean, like, wh- I mean, was you... it that far back? Like, is it that? Ho- I mean, I know it's hard. Is it that hard? <laughs> I know it's hard. But if you Tim, won the wait. Tour de France, like won a stage, shouldn't you be able to finish within forty-five minutes of the leader with four teammates? He it also was... had Renshaw with him. I mean, come yeah. on. Well, that's at some Ren- point. Yeah, Renshaw yeah. had yeah. no reason to ride hard either. And Matteo uh, Trenton? I mean, come on. Like, there's Trenton enough went, guys there. Trenton crashed today, though. Trent, Trenton went down that Micah crash. So he's you're a hurt. professional. Oh, man. Tim really slinging it on these you're guys. You're a professional that won a stage of the Tour de France. Yeah, a flat stage. Did you look at the profile from today, Timmy? There yeah. was a sweet downhill. 
There was a Second very sweet downhill that was scary. Climbs. I think we've I think we've noted how scary that downhill was. I I doubt he was taking risks to make the time cut. How would you like this headline? Demar tries to make time cut breaks every bone and body out for two years. I think he's going to take it a little easier and maybe ride the Volta and win a stage there. Well, way to take it from zero to 60, little guy. But, but, great but you question, know what I mean. Jason. You know Fantastic. what I mean. Um, Brian Hoffman hits us up and says, hey, does Dan, Ma- Ma- yeah, sorry. Does Dan mm-hmm. Martin burn matches or cats lives or both at these races? Both. Um, this is going between Dan Martin in the top 10, looking good, America's top hope for the top 10 in the G- GC, and that crazy crash – when he landed, so people pointed this out on Twitter, he kind of has that look of like, come on, bro. Yeah, yeah like, he does. He looks at him like, come on. Around, like, seriously? <laughs> and, then I, and then the camera goes back, and then he's gone. So he got up right away, and supposedly yep. he crashed again a second time coming down the mountain. Um, That's bad. That was one of the uh, Twitter reports. But, man, did he get blindsided? That was like yeah. what in football. I mean, I, even though I was the, the field goal kicker in football – that's what they call an ear hole, right? Like when you get hit from the side and you don't see yeah. it coming. Like Martin got creamed on the side. Yeah. yeah, I, I the first time I saw the crash, the video of it, it was in slow mo, and you're like, oh man, it looks like he had a second to think about it. Oh, he just he just didn't have time to break. And then I saw a replay in in real time. That stuff that was over in a blink of an eye. <laughs> there was no time. Yeah. Um, but come on, let's hand it to the dude. He's only a minute forty-four down on GC. He only lost. He only lost a minute fifteen today. He was going to be in that front group. He was probably going to outsprint Iran oh, for yeah. the win. Yeah. Um, Martin's he's looking really good, unless he got you know more banged up than he knows right now in this thing. Like he's the guy I kind of fear the most going into this last week. He's. Last week. There's still and, two weeks left. Uh, there are and, two weeks. Wait, I thought you guys short, shortened tours the two weeks. No? <laughs> we haven't got no. that push through yet. Uh, so, but he also, he also pulled a, you know, a ninja move on his way down, spinning around on his butt. He kicked Iran's mm-hmm. rear derailleur and knocked it out of whack so <laughs> that guy couldn't shift for the rest of the stage. He was Which playing it all Iran was like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Good try, Dan. It looked like he wasn't super happy about it for a while. No, he wasn't happy about it. It worked out okay. So to to Iran winning, I was happy he won because obviously he's on my Velo Games team. We're going to get to that. Right? We're going to get to that after the break. We're going to get to it after the lap. And and I like the guy. But I was, was, when they they did the sprint and before they showed the photo finish and they thought that... uh, Bargill won. Bargill won. I was actually excited for him because... I felt bad for years now that he has fallen into the, the the terrible French GC skinny climber guy position of mm-hmm. winning a bunch of stuff when he's in his first or second year and then having a drought. And and he has had a long drought of not winning anything, and then he like broke his his pelvis or something earlier this year. So even that he's in the race, he's only been riding for a couple months. Um, and so that he came that close, he was in the break all day, and then he sat on, and then he almost won it. I was actually really excited for him to finally oh. like throw off that French curse. Did you s- but then he didn't win and it was kind of heartbreaking but also I was kind of satisfied. <laughs> Little guy I'm like crying inside I, because it's he sad. had like they were giving him the winner interviews. Like he was I sitting know. there for the interviews like someone didn't check the tape. And he, he was put crying. His hand up. He like yeah, one. He's like crying. He's like I'm back, baby. And then all of a sudden someone's like, "Oh yeah, sorry. Um you're on who was stuck in a 5311." 
actually beat you in the sprint by a tire width, which gets the next point. These photo finishes, how the hell did Kittle beat Boston Hagen? Oh, wait, that's a whole other subject on a podcast because there's no way that, that actually happened. That was Big Disc actually making that happen. They were like, oh, he's got disc brakes, so we're going to have him take this sprint. But Barguil, mm-hmm. a second place, does get the King of the Mountains jersey. Yeah. Hopefully he can hold on to it. That would be great to see. Yeah, I'm with be. you, little guy. Um, I thought the stage was good. Let's wrap up our last Twitter question before we go into the preem lap. Uh, from Uncle Walter hits us up and he says, hey, guys. I love the, the handle Uncle Walter because we all have an Uncle Walter. Uncle Walter, hey, guys. What's the views on Quintana being a no-show at the tour so far, listening from Scotland and loving your work? Well, thanks for listening, Uncle Walter, and uh, – Maybe someday we'll uh, we'll do a live show in Scotland. But the question is, Quintana, so. where the heck has he been? Is it the two, is the Giro warm up, or is this a classic Quintana move that he's going to come <laughs> show up to race in the third week uh, of the Tour de France? Well, if so, somebody needs to tell him there's two weeks before the last week of a Grand Tour because yeah, he can't seem to remember to attack. I don't know, man. Where's he? Where's Contador? Where are oh, all the... Well, I know I where think... they all are. I saw them all today yeah. on the stage, actually, and they were going backwards. They, Quintana well, they were... just looks tired, they, man. They, they he were looks also, tired, but... In, in addition to going backwards, actually, Quintana and Contador were going into each other at one point, <laughs> where Contador <laughs> hit the ground and on an uphill, which doesn't happen very often, and it was a no. sight to see. Oh, did you see Robbie McEwen on the uh, – or did you hear him on the yeah. amazing broadcast? He's like, that is the weakest push I have ever seen. Yeah. Fans are so the fans. idiotic. You know, you've got the fans <laughs> that bring the flags. They bring the flares. They run alongside, and you're like, okay, you're obviously a goober. You shouldn't be out there. But the- Contador crashes in front of you. Yeah, he gets it's your moment. Like, he asks you for a push, and you give him the daintiest little push like – Come on, let's go, ta-ta, <laughs> and then run with them for like 50 yards. Have your hand up with the number one finger so you're getting on TV like, yeah. Can you – like this is your moment to shine and you fail yeah. that miserably? That's embarrassing. It was it pretty bad. Yeah. And that was, you know, sorry, Richie Port, but that was the most disappointing moment of the stage today was that oh, push. And Uncle Walter – I'm disappointed in Quintana today. Obviously, he's the star of my team. He's the he's the hope of of my um, of my team. But guys, I could not help but think all day today about how today would have been the day of Valverde. Like, yep. he would yep. have crushed it. Yep, yeah, he would have been there and you're crushed right. it. He would have been there. I yeah. mean, I, it's all going to plan for movie star. Uh, if the plan is, as I suspect that Quintana was a decoy for Valverde to win the tour finally. And uh, yeah. everything they've been doing is perfectly situated for that. Ha- you know, had Valverde actually been in the race still. And yes, it's 36 minutes in, and we have yet to mention Carlos Betancur in the breakaway, the virtual yellow jersey. I wake up this morning, my Twitter feed was just loaded with notifications like, Hey, wait till the slow ride or wait till Super Rookie wakes up and sees the gummy bears <laughs> in the break in the virtual leaders jersey. It was amazing. And well, were, were you just, sure were you sure you had woken up from the dream you were in? Did you did wondering. you think it was not reality? Well, I pinched myself. I was like this couldn't be real because I also saw Tis Benut. 
<laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe that you only. So you left me a message this morning, Tim, and I have to say I was a little. I was like, baby, we got a baby here. No baby. <laughs> All you're telling me. I, I wake up, I look at my phone, I have a voicemail from Tim, and it only mentions T-Spinute in the break. And then I turn on the race, Carl's back doors in the break. What the hell, Tim? I thought you loved this man. I've kind of moved cool. on. The T-Spinute, all in on the T-Swagon. The yeah, Tim, you know, you when we're in Baby Watch 2017, we're in, we're in Tiny Haze Watch, um, you know, you can't be leaving messages and texting sporadically, uh, erratically, uh, you know, just willy nilly like that. You need to, you need to give us a heads up that it's not yeah, baby. Come time. on. All, all I right, get, there, there. I'm all like, oh, we got a baby here, and we got Carlos in the break, and I got Tease. Come on. <laughs> this is Eric Saunders. You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Well, thank you once again for listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. We have a couple more supporters on the uh, the show this week on the Prem Lap. Most importantly, once again, Health IQ is uh, here to support us. They are where you go for life insurance. You are going to save money. You're going to pay less on your life insurance if you're a healthy individual. They're going to have um, exclusive rates, lower rates, whatever you want to call them. They're going to help you out. These are the people that you go to, you type in healthiq.com slash slow ride, answer some questions, and they're going to get at you with a quote that's going to save you some moot. And as you guys just said, baby watch, totally time for life insurance. That's true. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, like you pretty much covered it. Health IQ, great, great friends of the show and the network. Um, They do special rates for cyclists, for runners, for triathletes, for vegans. For other health-conscious people, if you fall into one of those uh, categories, you should be checking out healthiq.com slash slowride because they can can definitely help you out. Um, They go into into depth a lot of different ways to save you money. Healthiq.com slash slowride. Check them out. It really helps us as a network and also as a show. Yep. Just go learn more. Let them explain to you what they do, and you can decide if you want to do it or not. Um, but uh, we'd appreciate it because they are uh, big, big fans of the show and and big supporters of the network. Yeah. So, next time you're up uh, on your roof looking for a leak, you'll remember <laughs> Slow Ride Podcast told me to look into life insurance, and I didn't do it yet. And you're gonna feel like a real <laughs> goober, aren't you? <laughs> that, yes, and I did feel that way when I was crawling around the rafters in that Florida heat. Um, we'd also like to thank the members and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Go to WideAnglePodium.com to find out more. We have a slew of great shows on here. We have Crosshairs Radio. We have the Honest Bicycle Program, the Consummate Athlete Podcast, the Dirtfield Recordings, Behind the Scenes of Professional Bike Racing, and the We Got to Hang Out Podcast out of the Pacific Northwest. And the brand new Bike Shop Cross is here. The Bike Shop Podcast was world famous before. And... This last couple of weeks, they've been talking a lot. And, they, you know, this is where you go to talk about adjusting brakes and everything you could possibly want in the culture of cross bike maintenance and all of that that's in a bike shop. Yeah. I uh, I just wanted to let them know that I rebuilt uh, my Campy Ergo Lever 10-speed, the right one, clicky-click. I rebuilt it this week <laughs> for my cross bike. So 
Maybe you should talk about that. I don't know. <laughs> how many how many uh, parts so, are in a, a campy lever, little guy? A lot? It's just like bones in the body. It's like 206. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a, I'd say there's, I don't know, like 20, 20 little bits in there maybe? Pretty good amount. I had to watch the video, but and then it went back together. And each one costs $250. It's not that expensive. It's not as expensive <laughs> as buying a whole new lever if you buy that ride that SRAM Shimano junk. I'm going to actually have to do the math on that because buying all the little parts. Well, if you had to buy every part, but why are you going to have to buy every part? You're not going to have to buy every part. I had to buy. Something doesn't work. I had to buy a $30 part and I, and I put back together like an entire level. So like 30 bucks. If someone on your local Craigslist was selling any lever integrated shift lever for $30, you would jump on that for your crossbow. Well, I'm pretty sure, little guy, that that's the retail of a SRAM a- Apex lever. Well, well <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, so you wouldn't buy that one, by me, but so obviously the, you wouldn't buy that one. Bike Shop Cross, little guy, is right up your alley. Check it out. Bike Shop yeah. Cross. Um, Scott Diedenbach, Mr. David Palin. This week they had the uh, yep. founder of American Classic um, on there, Bill Shook. But really, they give their thoughts. Are you serious? About the I new- have a question for him. Well, it's too late now. You're gonna have to. Yeah. Well, you you yeah, blew, you blew it. it. I. But wait, maybe they can. Wait, I want. I want to tell them if in case they have his phone they number, they can call. Them. I have a pair of American Classic mountain bike cranks from the '90s. I have searched Jesus. the internet and I have only found one other like mention ever of these cranks existing. American Classic has nothing on their website. The Mom Mombat website, when it was up, had no info about these cranks existing. Are these things weird and rare? Like. Is this like a one-off? Like they made a couple of these? You know, I'm they have different sure. date stamps on them. They're cracked. I keep them on the wall. I'm pretty sure the bike shop show is going to be uh, when when they're com- when they're running out of ideas on what to talk about. They're just going to be like, "Hey, yeah. let's call up little guy. I'm sure he's got something goofy in the basement." I do. Hey, little guy, pull something off the wall. What's broken? Well, this past <laughs> week they did. They shared all their thoughts on the new Altegra 8000 group set. So go check it out. At Bike Shop Cross yep. on your um, Apple Podcasts. Um, and um, good news. Another another, another one you should check out, actually, uh, this week. The new consummate athlete uh, interviewed Jeff Kabush. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's it's Wolverine, rad. It's huh? totally worth the listen. Do you think Kabush yep. is the most popular Pacific Northwest-dish area? I mean, Vancouver I'm including in there. Cyclocross mountain biker. Or do you think it's Ryan Trabon? Uh, it depends on if you're asking today or ten years ago, but if you if you to put the limiter of Canada on there, I think I think he nails it. I think I'd yeah. much rather hang out with Jeff Kabush because of those mutton chops. Yeah, so. doesn't Jake Wells have mutton chops though? We could just hang out with him, and he's American. That's true. That's true. And uh, th- there's one final piece of information and big news for the Wide Angle Podium. So go to WideAnglePodium.com, find out how to support us. Um, it's like uh, NPR, but the big news, of course, is uh, we have a new uh, new boss. A new yeah. boss. We, we've 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 added to the management team at Wide Angle Podium, uh, which is super exciting. We had a press release go out uh, to bicycling retailer that got retweeted around a bunch. But uh, our 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 good friend and uh, in co show runner co podcaster i guess would be the way to say it um bill shiken from crosshairs radio has has joined the actual business of wide angle podium Mm. and is uh is part of the management team now so can i not make fun of him behind his back all the time anymore well oh crap i said this no i'm joking (laughs) well 
He's been throwing down over in uh, Europe following the uh, UCI Mountain Bike uh, World Cup, and he's got all the info. I know he's going to be on site for Jingle Cross, the Madison Cross, um, lots of good things, but it's great to have Bill on board with the Wide Angle Podium Network and uh, help run the steer the ship. And the final part is we get hit up all the time. We do get emails. Uh, Send us uh, emails at the... uh, um, Slow Ride Podcast, we'll get to the right people, or go to WideAnglePodium.com if you're interested in uh, uh, looking into sponsorship of the network. Yep. And with that, let's get back to the show. I am Jake Wells. Listen to Slow Ride Podcast. Guys, let me let me throw some numbers out here for you. Nine forty-two. That's a nice sounding number. What else you got? Ten eleven. Ooh, that sounds like a little more. Fourteen eighty-three. Whoa! Okay. That's huge. I thought I thought these were models of Porsches, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think so anymore. That, with that, well, last let, one. let's do this, okay? So 1483 is the big one. And then to put it all um, in there, uh, we're just going to top it all off with 2947. So that, of course, is the standings of Velo Games. And leading at the top, Team Full Gas at 2,947 points um, with Garato and Squaxa of uh, Brazil. Um, I apologize for totally messing up your name, who's ranked 235th in the world right now, is currently at the top. I am in last place among the three of us with 942 points. I am not concerned. Um, the team is uh, looking okay for the most part. I still have um, Quintana, who's going to do some damage, and I have Contador. <laughs> wow, the confidence and, uh, <laughs> really confidence really leaked through there well, in that statement. Just really, I, uh, I have Tis Benut. Tis looking okay, but Joss Van Emden is out of the tour. He was going to get me a stage win at the final time trial, so... I'm pretty much mm-hmm. uh, looking a little uh, damaged. Zubeldia, my my heart pick, the pick, my the love of my life, well, Zubeldia with zero points. But you um, know, Con- with Contador doing so poorly, they might they might let Zubeldia get in some breaks and go for some stages. So you know, and hope springs eternal. Yeah, that, that's right. The Slow Ride Podcast B team currently in second place, one thousand eleven points. Fabian Aru looking good for Spencer. Along with uh, Roglic and uh, Carlos Betancourt getting some pretty solid points today. And uh, your boy mm-hmm. Pantano. So Spencer is looking okay. Um, kind of, uh, you know, getting through. Sagan kind of done. But uh, overall. Imagine imagine that team with a healthy Valverde. Yeah, oh, you'd you be up there. You guys would be so hurt. I think we'd be close. But, yeah, you might have the edge with that. And Aru, and- solid pick. I, I wanted to find a way to bring him into my fold too, but I just couldn't. And uh, the Kobo All-Stars leading from the quaint country of Lesotho, known for its apple growing. And here's the question, guys, that we all had. Is I made fun of this team at the start, and I'm going to continue to make fun of this team because... That's, that's weird. Um, that's weird, huh? Just a bunch of nobodies on Just here. a bunch uh, of nobodies. Where are we on, GC? Three, four, five? Can you imagine five? if little guy would have went... So, Spencer, I was thinking about this before Demare got time cut today. If little guy would have followed yeah. his, like, normal... Um, oh, I know. I was like, thinking about like this too. Crappy <laughs> French sprinter, like just I'm going to take Bryce Cocard um, or whatever, or yeah. Jimmy Casper or whatever French sprinters out there. 
Um, he had both Buhani to choose from and Dumer, and mm. he takes uh-huh. Peter Sagan. I mean, he could be looking pretty good. Granted, Dumer now is out of the race, but I mean, little guy, not so bad. Euron, I mean, kind of a uh, shot in the dark. No, little, I wouldn't say that. Bit. Oh, <laughs> I would say a no, confident decision no. I made without any second thought because I knew he's going to ride a good race. I didn't think he went a stage, but uh, GC looking the, nice. The, the ding, the ding against little guy going forward, and where I think my team has got a shred of hope is that we lost Valverde early, but today, little guy, you lost Robert Guessing. I did, and I'm surprised. I don't, I don't know what happened because he was riding great in the mountains yesterday, and I thought I was getting a stage he, win. He. F- he fell he? down before the TV uh, coverage, I think, started, right. like 10, 10K into the race, like very, very early. A couple of guys went down, uh, and he was that, No, that, that's going to hurt me because he was looking good in the mountains. And, um, I mean, I was thinking at least he was going to get some more top fives in the mountains, right? Or maybe challenge for the polka dot. So hey. that's a bummer. But come on. I got, I've got some, I got some solid. I got some. I, I think Steve Cummings has a stage. Oh one up yeah, his sleeve you know somewhere. he does. I mean, he's even been to the front of the race once. <laughs> I know. That's that's how you know. God, feeling good. That's hey guys, good. we're we're totally burying the lead. We dropped the ball last week. Um, we got to We got to go over it this week. Of course, okay. we're talking about probably arguably the biggest women's race on the international calendar, and that's yeah. the, uh, the Giro d'Italia Feminine or the what is it? The Giro Rosa. Yeah. So yeah, it's. Megan Garnier won the final stage today um, in a sprint uh, finish, Woo. but we have Anna Vanderbregen taking the win for the Bulls Domans team. She is the European champion over Elisa Longo uh-huh. and Anamik Van Ulten of Wiggle High Five, Erika Scott, um, respectively. Guys, great racing, Spencer. You turned me uh, into this race a little bit during the week when you mentioned the time trial. I had failed to really look at it. Holy crap, that time trial was insane. That needs to happen in every time trial from now on. Uh, Spencer, enlighten me, because I don't know anything about this. I do know time trials generally boring, so why? Yeah, you're going you're gonna to like okay. this one, little guy. This one, uh, they, they produced a, um, a stage map, you know, as they do earlier, like preview of the race. Here's, here's the parkour for today, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, months in advance with the race Bible. Yep. It looked pretty flat had two little bumps on it those little bumps turned out to be 30 30 percent grade climbs. oh that is brutal um <laughs> that nobody knew were coming is ramsey even 30 percent? Jeez. okay no no not even at all like it, it it was crazy like everybody rode road bikes and they were like grinding up this hill just like bit between the teeth just trying to go up this thing. It was incredible to watch. Like a little bit of some people had to salmon back and forth, even like that steep. And and what's incredible is that nobody knew that it was coming. Which <laughs> no one pre- previewed this. Um, that is kind of ridiculous. I don't know. Like I'm sure a few people knew and were like, "Oh, the race bible's all messed up." But the vast majority of riders did not seem to have any idea. So. It, it was incredible. It, it threw everyone for a loop, and it made for the, – the Twitters just blew up because nobody – none of the fans knew. Like, we obviously had no idea it was that it was going to be an interesting time trial because looking at the parkour, you would think, ah, whatever. Well, I mean, that's sort of the pro- problem sometimes with cycling is that undersells how cool some things are, unfortunately. But that does well, sound cr- crazy. Like, unders- you kind of need to – 
build that up, right? Like, Talk about underselling. Yeah. I mean, let's be. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest that I did not watch this race. I wish yeah. I would have watched it more. It's amazing every time I read about it. The cycling tips coverage is probably the best on it. The Ella um, site that they have yeah. that you read up on it and you see what's going on. It's magical. I only hope that. Maybe it moves on the calendar a little bit so we get more coverage so that then you can have a women's tour or – I don't know. There's there's something there that we have these dead weeks in the calendar that I think it could really capitalize to capture the spirit of the sport. I don't I could be a little bit wrong. I'm just – it looks pretty amazing and meanwhile, my attention was watching um, you know a crash between Sagan 800 times in Cavendish and listening to Bob Roll's opinions on the matter or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, it, and I wish that yeah. they would show that coverage of the race. Um, good stuff out there. Yeah, at the Giro it, it, it was tough to find coverage of that race. I got to say, um, you know, I had a few Twitter feeds that were coming through and a few, uh, you know, short video clips that would pop through, but um, you know, yeah, it just, I don't know if it's because it's in July, like, there's some argument that says, oh, because it's in July, there's more focus on cycling, so it's a good thing. There's some that says all the focus is on the Tour de France, so it's a bad thing. Yeah. I don't really know, but um, but they definitely need to get, they do a better job with the media, unfortunately. Uh, it, it was tough to find, but now now that it's been wrapped up a little bit, uh, those videos are starting to surface, so I would definitely try and find some Giro Rosa uh, footage if you can, or some highlights because, uh, the racing was good every day, like attacks and sprints and all, all kinds of stuff. And it was a uh, great racing. Yeah it, yeah. it definitely came across that way. Yeah. I, it's something I'd like to watch more of and just women's racing in general. And, but I'm, I'm totally guilty of like, especially during the tour, just falling into a tour only glut and, and sort of having trouble finding the time to watch anything else or follow anything else, which is a shame because you miss some good racing. But, yeah. so, uh, for yeah. your guys' info, uh, Ramsey Hill is average of 10%, maximum 14%. So oh. 14%? That's I it. know. Well, what's that? Uh, Still, Stillwater, that is a... Chillicoot Hill is what, 23%? I don't know. I'm on climbybike.com, which I'd never seen before. This is kind of <laughs> kind of fun. So, um, hey, um, yeah. Th- th- there's so much. I mean, obviously, going throughout... Uh, during the week, we had a big uh, breakthrough. Bicycling Magazine uh, gave us a Twitter shout-out. Well, I'm what? sorry. No, we were on a Bicycling Magazine slideshow. Got to cash in on those clicks. It was what? fantastic. Two tweets from the Slow Ride pod were available during the whole uh, meme gate of uh, Sagan's elbow incident. Um, okay. So that was uh, uh, great as always. And little guy, I have a quick question for you. When you're watching these uh, – Tour de France sprint finishes. You're probably at the uh, the downtown library. Uh, you know, you, you've logged <laughs> in. Uh, you're you know, you're kind of blocking yeah. the screen. So the guy next to you uh, isn't isn't watching over your shoulder as he's playing yeah. Sudoku or whatever. How relieved are you that Bling Matthews still has not won a Tour de France stage yet? I'm I'm relieved. I'm I'm relieved. I felt like he's a little bit more of a human and that he. He he said something to the effect of that he wasn't willing to take these stupid risks in these sprints to win stages, and it kind of made me like him a little more. Like, yeah, hey, he's yeah, a normal a human little... being with so... with the normal regard for his safety that the top four or five sprinters in the world seem to not have. Is um, is he the reclamation project of the Slow Ride Podcast? Are we going to learn to like mm, Bling Matthews? I... Are we there yet, guys? You know, I was trying to, and then one of one of you guys posted that picture of him. 
like shirt with off. no shirt on, standing and, uh, in front of a Bianchi custom Bianchi pizza pizza, and I was like, that oh, says God. that says uh, Michael Bling Matthews on it. Yeah, yeah. and I was yeah. I was suddenly horrified back to to the start of my Bling Matthews um, problem. So no, I mean I just want Gripel to win the rest of the stages, man. Come on. All right, I, I can I can live with that, and um, yeah. so. If you, uh, we, we did get one email that I got to, uh, give a quick shout out. Uh, this one comes to us from Gavin Adkins. He says, Hey, quick follow up. The best prologue ever was won by Brett Lancaster the year after winning gold at the Athens 2004 team pursuit. He now works for team sky. Of course he is talking about the, uh, one K time trial at the, the or prologue at the Giro 2005 we talked about last week. And so here's a guy mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, so thanks for looking up, Gavin, for uh, who actually won that race because <laughs> imagine that. We didn't really do the research to um, to, to look it up. So <laughs> you can that. always email us at theslowridepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, you need any advice on bikes and way of life, or if you have any hot tips, gossip. Well, so is totally there anything well. else you guys want to talk about in the world of bikes? Um, uh, man, did I tell you guys how I rebuilt an ergo lever? Oh, yeah, well, I already told you about that, actually, but I'm no, really proud of myself, so I'm going to tell you again. <laughs> okay, there is one you know, thing you know. that we didn't talk about. Okay, what's that? But Spencer has one, too, maybe. Oh, okay. doke The Trek social media game. Have you guys noticed this? Yeah. We have it in our notes. It's one of these things that gets buried. Trek announces that they're giving equal prize money at the Women's and Men's Cyclocross World Cup held on their grounds. The first ever time this has happened. Great news. They crush it. They put mm-hmm. that announcement out there. They put it all over Facebook. And what do you know? The trolls start coming in. They they sneak in. They're like rats. They're like roof rats that I found um, in my house. They kind of just get that <laughs> opening, and then they just, they just get out there and just ruin everything. But Trek mm-hmm. – Trek put out the poison blocks. Trek put out the rat traps and just shut it down. It was beautiful just going after these individuals, hating on equal pay for equal work. It was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty impressive, I got to say. The uh, the leash that, that the Trek company gave their social media people to just have at it and, and state their values as a company uh, with no... No Holds Barred, the famous uh, Hulk Hogan uh, movie from uh, from the early 90s, I believe. Excellent film. Maybe go check it out. <laughs> it's a great um, movie. But I've heard er- good things. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't want to say but, it's early 90s. It might be 89. OK, well, I was, I'm not enough. totally sure. on 1989. IMDb. All right. But guys, but remains that shout out. Spencer's credibility completely damaged that he thought 1989 was close to the early 90s. So he's he's had to quit the podcast now and and leave because Tim's allowed to mispronounce. Uh, we've agreed before we started the podcast at least four thousand names, but if Spencer gets one fact just almost barely wrong, well, off the podcast, WWF. I mean, almost. you know, there is some things. It's here. about a feeling. 1989 felt like the early 90s. You could feel that change in the air. You were on the cusp of something great. Well, I'm just Spencer brought yes. me back into the conversation by bringing up this okay. movie. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Well, and 
So that's the thing about it is is the fact of the matter is regardless of of how many people there are in the field, regardless of whatever, it's just the right thing to do, right? And uh, it was it was summed up by multiple multiple people, uh, male and female, on on Twitter and on that um, Facebook post of tracks. But uh, uh, the screen cap I grabbed to kind of sum it all up was from Amanda Batty, uh, enduro racer, downhill racer. Um, but she said, you know. We race the same courses, we pay the same race fees, we pay the same licensing, licensing, hotel costs, travel, food, everything, but we have to do it with a lower level of support. And and I mean, that, that just nails it right on the head, you know, like that's, there's no other argument. Uh, until uh, somebody, you know, until a woman can walk into a bike shop and, and the guys there have to be like, oh, well, we can sell you this bike for 40% off because you're a female. Like, then maybe I'll be like, oh, okay, you can race for 40% less uh, payout, you know? But that doesn't happen. Everybody pays the same. Everybody puts the same in. Everybody gets the same out. That's just how it should work, right? Well, the the shout-out that I was getting at uh, when I interrupted Spencer the first time was actually <laughs> Andrew Roche. Who is a friend of the podcast, a supporter of the podcast, has helped us out when we've done some 16th place contests. Which, by the way, we got to do a 16th place contest for 16th stage. But um, That's how we do? Andrew Roche crushing it on that. So he's one of the leaders of the social media empire that is Trek. Um, I have one thing I wanted to add, which is, and I know Tim won't know what I'm talking about, but uh, Bicycle Quarterly has been having some good uh, nerdy, nerdy coverage of the uh, second modern edition of the Concours des Machines in france with all the uh builders building their goofball bikes and doing the three-day uh kind of a three-day competition uh judging the bikes and the way they're built more than the riders um which kind of goes back to my earlier point about how if you're going to sponsor a bike team you should maybe build a bike that doesn't break every five minutes so quill stems there's not a lot of quill stems, but uh, Bike Quarterly, or they've had some on their blog. They've had some uh, good stuff, and there's a link to the Concourse the Machines uh, website for this year. You can see all the winning builders, and it's some nerdy, nerdy, awesome stuff. And I know Matt Roy, if he's listening right now, is like, yeah, dude, I already know about that. They've got racks on all their bikes and fenders and stuff. And I know, Matt, you're ahead of the game. Well... I think at this point, um, it's time to thank BK1 of Rhymesayers Entertainment for his intro and outro music. It's also important to thank Health IQ at healthiq.com slash slowride um, for their support and the members of the Wide Angle Podium Network. We'd also want you always, always, always to wave at your fellow cyclists. Saw a lot of non-waving out there this week when I was out on my uh, group ride. So continue to wave at all your fellow cyclists. Let's start building that community as, uh, as we go forward. And uh, with that, this is uh, Tim in Orlando. This is Matt Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Um, guys, <laughs> yep. do you think I can put Hincappy in the name? Like, middle name of the baby?
think that'd be I, I think if you write it in really quick when you're putting the form in before Sarah sees it, it should be fine. <laughs> I don't Great see idea. any problem. I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure she won't look at the birth certificate for a while until maybe you're filling out school papers. And she's like, wait that a minute. That could be a really bad conversation. I never agreed on a middle name. Tim, what the... Hincappy? I thought we were going to go with Ricardo Rico. 